I love the phrase, to live, to love, to learn, to leave a legacy. I love it because it captures in some way the concept of Jesus who says we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It reminds us that we are whole people. We are not merely minds or mindless brutes. We are a complex interaction between our physical, spiritual, emotional, intellectual facets. Our lives are whole lives or they are less than abundant. If we do not have our hearts and souls and minds and strengths tuned toward God, then ultimately we will be satisfied by something less than what God has in store for us. And so I love the phrase, to live, to love, to learn, to leave a legacy, because it captures much of what the abundant life consists of. Today I want to look at the first of those, to live, and I want to acknowledge a simple fact. The simple fact is that we live on borrowed breath. Our Old Testament reading earlier, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Later on, on Ash Wednesday, when we gather for worship in this place and you receive the ashes on your forehead, you will be reminded that just as the breath comes, the breath leaves. You'll receive the sign of the cross the first day of Lent, February 26th, Ash Wednesday. And as the ashes are imposed, you will remember, dust you are. To dust you shall return, repent, and believe the gospel. But for those of us who have the gift, the gift of that spark of life that God has enabled to be within this body of ours today, we must recognize it as a gift. Life may not have been easy in the last weeks or months for you, and it may be hard if you were doing an inventory to list the gifts of God. But you were here today because of one gift from God, and that is the spark that enables this breath, this borrowed breath to continue within your body, your lungs. The Lord forms man from the dust of the ground and breathes the breath of life. Dear Christian, today, you have the breath of life entering and exiting your lungs. There's a beautiful passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. The passage is about growing old. Now, it might not immediately look like the passage is about growing old, but it, it is. It talks about losing one's eyesight. It talks about the arms and the legs not being as strong as once they were. It talks about trouble sleeping, fear at climbing on high places. It talks about growing old. And then at the end of this passage, it describes in vivid terms in vivid terms, death is the breaking of something precious. And here is how Ecclesiastes 12 ends. 
Remember God before the silver cord is snapped and the golden bowl is broken and the pitcher is broken at the fountain and the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the breath returns to God who gave it. You have the breath this breath of life within you today. And that's why it should be no surprise to us that the New Testament reminds us that by the mercies of God, we have the option of presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God has given us our physical natures, these bodies, so that they themselves may honor him. What we do with and what we do in our bodies matters It's why in Christianity there are sexual ethical teachings. It is why in the past 50, 60 years uh, you have heard sermons that talk about what it means to have this interchange between work and rest, work and rest. It's why some of us are becoming more obsessed than ever with diet and exercise. I'm not obsessed with either of those. But I'm hoping in 2020 to be a little more obsessed than I am. It's why we worry about mobility. It's why we worry about our endurance. How many of you in here are on the uh, volunteers and mission team? We had a lot of VIM folks in the first service. And Jay and uh, Garnett are, are among our volunteers and mission. Our volunteers and mission use their bodies to glorify God. They build wheelchair ramps for those who need them outside of their homes. They go down to North Carolina and they work on churches and homes that have been destroyed by windstorms, hurricanes. They use their bodies for the glory of God. If you and I love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and it's this whole strength, loving God with all of our strength. In Hebrew, that word is, is maybe translated muchness or oomph. Love God with what you've got. Love God with your physical nature, with everything that you bring to the table, which includes your hands as well as your mind and your heart. Dear friends, there comes a point where all of us, all of us reach some kind of a limit. So what happens? What happens when we've reached our physical limits and we can no longer use these bodies that God has placed his breath within? Paul says we don't lose heart. Even when our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For slight momentary afflictions prepare us for an eternal weight of glory 
beyond all measure. Because we look not at what can be seen, but what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is permanent. And so there are, there are some practical things that happen when we decide to love God with all of our strength, when we decide to live, to embrace to embrace this breath of God that we inhale and we exhale. We, we understand that there's something about our health that we should pay attention to. And we pay attention to it not because we are prudes. We pay attention to it because we want to love and honor God with everything we have. And you will notice that during the communion liturgy, many of you... If you don't know it by heart, you can at least quote large portions of it. You will recognize that that in the communion liturgy, we say these words. We offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice. Not instead of, not to complete, but we offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. We, linked to Christ Jesus, joined to Him, our lives, our minds, our bodies, our hearts, joined to Him, we give ourselves to God. And so the practical advice on living, on living in this physical world as physical beings, might look something like this. Figure out the things that can stress you out. Figure out the ways that physically you are not living the abundant life. And know that things like debt can stress you out. This is not a new thing. Back in the book of Proverbs, I love what the book of Proverbs has to say. My child, if you have given your pledge to another, if you have bound yourself to another, you are snared by the utterance of your lips, caught by the words of your mouth. So do this, my child, and save yourself. For you have come into your neighbor's power. Go, hurry, and plead with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep, your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. If I could give two pieces of advice or two gifts to young men and women as they come to me and say, we want to be married, one of them would be you need to learn how to communicate. Most people actually don't communicate well. They don't know how to listen to another without preparing to respond, and they don't really know how to make their feelings heard and understood in a way that is healthy. And so one of the things that I would say to people who are getting married is you need to really, really learn how to communicate, not just to talk on a surface level, but how to have an exchange of meanings where compromise or some kind of, some kind of middle ground can be achieved. And the other thing I would say to people who are about to get married is get your finances on the same page. Agree on what's important to you. Agree on where your resources are going to be used. And once you've agreed on that, you've agreed on an awful lot of things. 
I can look at your credit card statement and tell you what's important to you if these things show up. Chipotle, Cheddar's, McDonald's, Subway, (laughs) Starbucks for me. You can tell what's important to a person, where they spend their money, how they, how they invest the resources God has given them. And so recognize. Recognize these, these sources of stress. For, for instance, if your resources inflow and outflow are not the same, then your body is going to bear within it the stress of knowing that there is something that is out of equilibrium. Understand that loving God with all of your life involves understanding the things that make you better and the things that hold you back. Pay attention to those things that you're responsible for. Proverbs has got a lot of advice about this sort of thing. Know well the condition of your flocks. Give attention to your herds. The book of Proverbs makes fun of the lazy bones. Uh, I'll have a whole sermon at some point on the lazy bones who is so lazy that he's got really two positions. He's got the lying down in bed and sitting up in bed, like a door turns on its hinges. You know, picture the lid of a box. Uh, Like a door turns on its hinges, so the lazy bones turns on his bed up, down, down. Up, down. Well, this is the same lazy bones that that Proverbs is talking about here. I passed by the field of one who was lazy, the vineyard of a stupid person. Proverbs minces no words. And see, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Please don't drive by my house this afternoon. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want, like an armed warrior. Pay attention to those things you're responsible for. Because to live, to be a physical person in a physical environment, pay attention to what it is that is around you and what you're responsible for. It's not unusual at all for those who are going through a a rather down period in life to have a desk with a pile of mail this high. If you've got a pile of mail three feet high, maybe that's just how you do things and maybe you're fine. But maybe your life would be a little better off if you got to some of those things that you'd been avoiding. You look at your home and and the yard and, and you see there's so much there that could be done and you look and you find yourself not even knowing where to start. Just do one thing. One thing, the most important thing that you could do to to improve that environment and just commit yourself as a physical being to improving your physical environment. So what do we do? 
We organize our lives to whatever degree that's possible for us to glorify God. We organize our lives to whatever degree that is possible for us to glorify God. And we live every day with this continual sense of God's nearness with us and God's involvement in whatever it is that we're doing. Whether we're driving from one place to another, whether we are seated and reading an intriguing novel, whether we're going to have a conversation that we really would rather not have because it will be a hard one, whether we're asking, oh Lord, what will the next year look like in my career or in my life? The New Testament says whatever your task, put yourself into it as done for the Lord and not your masters, since you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You serve the Lord Christ. If you're a teacher, teach for the glory of God. If you are a student, learn for the glory of God. Whatever it is you do, do for the glory of God who has called you to love him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. He's caused you to live. He's called you to live, to embrace this life, this physicality in which God himself meets us. And so we offer life itself. And we offer the fruits of our living as gifts to glorify the God whose breath animates us. One of the things about Christianity that's often misunderstood is Christianity asks us to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're, we're not trying to escape the body. It is, it is here in this physical existence that, that God meets us, and he meets us at a table with bread and wine. He meets us at a baptismal font with, with water. And today on the liturgical calendar, it's the Sunday in which we remember the baptism of the Lord. And so today, I'm going to invite those of you who have been baptized. Now, if you have not been baptized, I would love to set up a time for that to happen. But today, those who are baptized are, are invited to come and to remember. What will happen if you choose to, to participate in this is we'll have two bowls. Sean will be at one and I will be at the other. And, and they will have water within them. And when you come up and approach, he or I will dip our finger within the water and make the sign of the cross on your forehead and say simply, Remember your baptism and give thanks. And you'll recognize that you are a physical being because you're going to feel the water on your head. You're going to recognize that God meets you where you are right here. That God calls you to love him. Not only with your heart, not only with your soul, not only with your mind, but God calls you to love him with your hands and your breath 
God calls you to love him with everything that you have. And so in a moment, we are going to have a reaffirmation of baptism service. You'll have a chance to say yes to the baptismal questions. You'll have a chance to respond. If you were baptized as a child and somebody took these vows on your behalf, it's another chance for you to say, okay, I accept them again today. If you wish to be baptized, I invite you to see me after, after service. And let's sit down and let's, let's talk about that. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. And through the reaffirmation of our faith, we renew the covenant declared at our baptism. We acknowledge what God has done for us and we affirm our commitment to Christ's holy church. In just a moment, I invite you to reaffirm your baptismal vows, the baptismal vows of the church. Uh, we will affirm our faith in the creed of the church. And, and then as, as we're praying over the water, uh, Heidi and Stan are going to lead us in call and response. It's very simple. Whatever Heidi sings, you and I will sing. And we will, we will just follow her lead um, right after she sings.